Now, one of the things that uh, I really enjoy doing, I'm not sure if, if you do, but I, I really enjoy making travel plans. Uh, I enjoy thinking about trips and holidays that, uh, that I and the family might take. Uh, I love looking into flights and places to go and, and, and places to stay and places to drive to. In fact, uh, I spent many, uh, maybe many hours in uh, Victorian lockdowns uh, dreaming up holidays that we were probably never, ever going to take. And actually, I probably spent time dreaming up one or two holidays without my family uh, during those lockdowns as well, so close that we had to live together. One of the things I've learned along the way, though, is that not everybody is excited about my travel plans as I am. <laughs> you know how it goes, you start to talk to them about what you're planning to do and where you plan to go, and you realise that before you know it, 20 minutes has passed and there is a glazed look uh, on their eyes, and you realise, I should have stopped a long time ago. In fact, may maybe I shouldn't have started at all. Now, it might be tempting when we read this little section in Philippians to think that Paul is primarily talking about his travel plans. Uh, maybe we can imagine the Philippians, uh, as this part of the letter is being raised out, with their own eyes glazing over. Okay, Paul, we get it. You're hoping to come to visit us. You're going to send Timothy. You're going to send Epaphroditus. Let's get on with the good stuff uh, of the letter. But, but I want to suggest this morning that this little section, while it does contain the travel plans of, of Paul and Timothy and Epaphroditus, uh, is actually something much more than that. I want to suggest that actually at the, at the heart of the section, uh, Paul is holding up the lives of these two men, of Timothy and Epaphroditus. He's holding, he's holding them up as examples to the church. He's telling the church there, if you have a look in verse 29, to receive them uh, when they come. And in fact, even more than that, notice what he says at the end of verse 29, he tells them to honor such men. Now, we, we might get a little bit nervous at this point, don't, don't we? Honoring people? Re really, Paul? Sh surely there's a great danger in that. Surely we're meant to be honoring Christ and honoring Christ alone. Surely there's a danger if we honour people that they might get puffed up heads, that they might think too much of themselves, and, and well, that's not going to be helpful for, for the work of the gospel. Uh, we've seen what happens when, when, when we honour people uh, in the wrong way. We've, we've seen some terrible falls of, of people and Christian leaders even who have been honoured. But yet, yet Paul writes it here, doesn't he? He tells us to honour such people. So there's got to be a way in which it can be done good and right, a way that is good for the kingdom and it's good for the work of the gospel in our own lives and in the lives of other people around us. So we're going to do two things this morning. We're going to really ask two questions. We're going to ask the first question, uh, who should we honour? And then we're going to think a little bit about what it was about Timothy and Epaphroditus that was honourable why they're worthy of honour. And then we're going to ask, how do we honour them? You know, what, is, what is Paul saying here about how we honour people such as this? So let's start with the first one then. Who do we honour? Uh, what is it about Timothy and Epaphroditus uh, that makes them worthy of honour? 
What is it that makes people today, Christian people today, in our church and our circles, worthy of our honour? Well, let's dive in. Let's, let's have a look at what Paul says about them. Let's start there in verse 19, where, where he says, uh, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I might be chaired of news of you. So he's starting with Timothy here in verses 19 to 24. Listen, listen to what he says. He says, For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, but not those of Jesus Christ. What's Paul highlighting in Timothy's life here? Look at it. It's a, it's a selfless, other people-focused life, isn't it? He says he'll be genuinely concerned for your welfare, not like not those others. He'll be concerned for, for the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And look at what he says a little, little bit further down, verse 22. He says, but you know Timothy's proven worth, how a son with a father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. Now, there's three phrases that Paul uses here. He says, genuinely concerned about your welfare, genuinely interested in the, the cause of the Lord Jesus, and works with me in the gospel. I, I think these are kind of three terms that are part of a package, isn't it? It's about a life of Timothy's that is focused on the needs of others, the cause of Jesus Christ, and, and the work of the gospel. And in many ways, this fits in really well with what we know of Timothy and his ministry throughout the New Testament. Uh, Timothy was a traveling companion with Paul from about Acts 15 on. Uh, he co-authors several of the letters that Paul writes. We we maybe sometimes do Timothy a little injustice. We talk about the letters of Paul, but, but actually this and others are letters of Paul and Timothy. He is the son to the father. He's, he's trained by Paul. And then later on, he gets sent on assignment by Paul to difficult places. So there's several churches that we're having troubles, and Paul can't be there personally, so he sends Timothy instead. In fact, we find Timothy in five different churches reading through the, the, the books of the New Testament, sent there on assignment by Paul. Why does Timothy get sent? Well, I think we, we see the answer here, don't we? He's genuinely concerned about the welfare of others. He's, he's concerned about the cause of Jesus Christ. He's, he's concerned for the work of the gospel. Now, not, not by coincidence, we actually have to think about this in the context of what Paul's saying elsewhere here in the letter, and particularly just before this, if you've got your Bible with you, just have a look at, at what he says in chapter 2, verse 3, so at the start of this chapter. He says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you look not to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. He was telling the church to be unified and to be unified by, by being concerned about other people, uh, being concerned about other people, putting your needs last. And now he's holding up Timothy as an example, isn't he? He says, here's a guy like that. But then have a look at what he carries on saying at the start of chapter 2. He says, have this mind amongst yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who they who is in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. How is this kind of character, this life 
How, how's this developed? How, how does this come about? Is, was Timothy just born a naturally giving person? No, no, he wasn't. It was the work of the Lord Jesus in his life. He had a Christ-like, Christ-shaped character. He, he'd come to know and follow and serve a Lord who had emptied himself of nothing, <laughs> though he was God, and, and come to serve us and actually to lay down his life. And so as Jesus had done now, Paul highlights Timothy and says, that here's an example of someone who, who's doing that amongst you. This, this is what you are to honour. Th- these are the kinds of traits that we're to honour in the church, that we're to hold up as examples to follow, that we're to speak well of. Well, let's, let's have a look at the second guy here. And, and really, Paul shifts to him in verse 25. His name uh, is Epaphroditus. Uh, it's not an easy name to get right every time. So if I stumble on it, you'll, you'll, you'll excuse me. Uh, Epaphroditus was actually a Philippian person originally. Uh, Epaphroditus had come from the Philippian church, and they had uh, sent him to Paul. Uh, probably they bought, he brought a gift, a, a monetary gift, along with him. Paul talks about that later on in chapter 4, uh, to support Paul's work, even though he's from prison. But also, Epaphroditus himself was to be a servant of Paul's. Uh, Paul refers to him there as your messenger and minister to my need. So, so Epaphroditus was to bring news of the Philippians, a gift from them, and he himself was to be the gift to help him. Um, but it actually hadn't gone to plan. Uh, verse 26, uh, we learn there that somewhere along the way, Epaphroditus had got very ill. Uh, and in verse 27, he says, Indeed, he was ill uh, near to death. Uh, the Philippians had, had become worried about Epaphroditus. Uh, Paul had been anxious for Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus had become anxious because everybody was anxious for him. It was, it was not, not going according to plan. Instead of being a, an encouragement, maybe he'd become a little bit of a burden. But verse 27, Paul writes that God had mercy on him. And so Epaphroditus had been restored to health. But look at what Paul writes about, about this guy. He says, I, I've also thought it necessary, verse 25, to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, my fellow worker, and fellow soldier. Now, it hadn't all gone to plan, had it? It hadn't all worked out, but look, look at how Paul kind of raises him up. My brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier. Now, there's probably a bit of, bit of a suggestion uh, going on here that uh, the Philippians uh, might have been considering Epaphroditus' time as a bit of a waste. Here was this guy, maybe he was a young guy who was passionate about ministry, maybe like we go on short-term mission trips, maybe this was Epaphroditus' short-term mission trip. The church had fundraised, you know, there'd been a, a you know, slave auction and a garage sale and they'd got the money together for him and they'd sent him off and all he did was got sick, you know, now he's coming home. Maybe they were thinking, ah, oh, this, is, this is a bit of a waste. But Paul says, no, 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 look at what he did. He risked his life in the service of the gospel. 
Maybe here we, we're not looking at the fruit, are we? We're not saying, look at all that he achieved. Look at all that Epaphroditus did. No, no, Paul says, look at the sacrifice that he was willing to make in that he nearly died for the sake of the gospel. What's, what's honorable in God's kingdom? What's honorable in God's church? It's Christ-like Christ-shaped character. It's sacrifice in the cause of the work of the Lord Jesus. I try to think when I was sort of working on this, what are some of the things, some of the people who are honoured in our world today? Uh, what things do we consider honourable, worthy of honour in our world? I, I went and had a look at, 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 at the top 10 people followed on Instagram. That's one of the ways that we honour people, isn't it? We we, we follow them, and I, I, I had a look at who they were, and it's top 10 people on Instagram are sports stars, some, most of them are football, soccer players, uh, they're actors, singers, and Kardashians, and I'm not quite sure what that last group um, is famous for. E- even the people on Instagram who, are, uh, who were never famous before Instagram, so Instagram made them famous, well, who are they? Well, they are comedians and makeup, bloggers, uh, makeup artists and bloggers and TikTokers, for one of a better phrase. Why are they honoured? Well, they're honoured for what they do, aren't they? They're honoured for the value that they present or, or, or the, the input that they can have into your life, what they've accomplished. Now, I don't want to say that that's not honourable or they're not honourable people. I might have some question marks about, about some of them. But it's interesting, isn't it? That's very different to what the Bible holds up as honourable and worthy of honour. What the Bible holds up is Christ-likeness, Christ-shaped character, sacrifice in the service of Jesus. That, that's what counts. I find it very interesting who, who Paul holds up here as honourable. He, he holds up the guy who plays second fiddle his entire ministry. He's the co to Paul. You know, he's, he's the second guy. He, he's the son to the father. And yet Paul holds him up and says, this is what is honorable. He holds up the guy for whom it didn't go to plan. You know, went on a mission trip, got sick, got sent home. You know, their Instagram accounts would be like mine, kind of anonymous with Half a dozen followers who happen to be your family. But Paul says that they're the people that we're to honour. A little while ago, I was listening through a, a podcast series. You may have heard of it called The, uh, the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. Uh, it's a podcast series that follows the, the, the rise of a mega church in the United States, a, a reformed uh, flavoured church uh, from nothing to 20,000 people and back down to to very little, and it, it, it traces the history of its senior pastor, Mark Driscoll, and uh, it really delves into the idea of Christian celebrity and who gets honoured in, in the Christian world. And there's a part of it that there was an interview with Tim Keller, and he, he said something that, I, that I'll, I'll, it's really stuck with me. He says, we, we've come to honour gifts over character. And we've come to honour results over Christ-likeness. 
We, we hold up gifts of which we have no say over what we get because they're given to us by the Holy Spirit. And we hold up fruit, which is just that. It's fruit, the things that God does through our lives. And we say, this is what counts, and this is what matters. And so we start looking for people with gifts and fruit and not character, not Christ-likeness, not humble service for the sake of others. The Bible always puts character above gifts and Christ-likeness above fruit. They are what we are to honour. You see, we actually need to reject some of the things that the world honours. We're not to honour them. We're not to hold them up as our idols and our mentors and our examples to follow. And that's not saying you can't follow so-and-so on Instagram or admire some of their achievements. That's okay, maybe. But save your honour for the people and the things that God says is honourable. Save your honour for Christ-like character shaped through the sacrifice of Jesus, for sacrifice in the sake of the cause of the gospel. Well, let's move on then to, to how then. How do we honour such people? Paul says that we are to do it, but how do we follow? How do we honour? Do we follow them on Instagram instead? Do we you know, go through our list tonight and kind of reject all the duds and then kind of find some new people to follow? Well, maybe, maybe that's something we could consider, but it's not primarily. The first thing I want to note here is that we don't honour such people for their sake. Okay, we don't honour such people because they need it. And in fact, such people don't care. <laughs> uh, Christ-like people, gospel-shaped people, servants who are concerned about the welfare of others, they are not in it for the honour. They don't need it. Oh, sure, we, we should thank God for them. We should thank them for their service and the way that they've influenced our lives and the example that they've set. And they will say something like, all glory to God, and then they'll just get on doing what they're doing because that's actually what makes them honourable people. So if we're worried that honouring such people will give them a big head and will make them proud and ruin them, maybe we shouldn't be so concerned. If we're honouring the wrong people, we should be very concerned. It will go to their heads. It might ruin them but not the right people. So why do we do it? And this is going to shape how we do it. We actually do it for our own sake and for the sake of our brothers and sisters around us. Because the people that we honour are the people that we seek to imitate. And the things that we look for and hold up as honourable are the very things that we want from our own lives and the lives of others around us. Paul actually gives us an example here, doesn't he? He gives us an example by speaking well of them and highlighting the things that are honourable in their lives. He's not competing with them. 
You know, it's not a case where he, he, he's worried about honouring them because that might take honour from himself. Honourable people don't worry about that so much. So, something really cool he does here is he actually uses his own authority to raise them up, particularly with Epaphroditus. You notice that? My brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier. So we too, we can speak well of people to honour them, hold out their character as examples to follow, speak about people's sacrifice and their service, speak well about what people have given for the sake of the kingdom, honour people with your speech. But more than that, we honour them by seeking to imitate them as they imitate Christ. Paul's actually going to say that in the next chapter, in chapter 3, verse 17. He says, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example that you have in us. You see, we take examples from people all the time. We're inspired by them. That's natural. We learn things from them. So who, who are we seeking to learn from and to imitate. Not their gifts. <laughs> you don't get any say on what, what gifts you get. Not their fruit. We, we can't reproduce that. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But their character. Their Christ-likeness. Their sacrificial service. We're to, we're to seek out and surround ourselves with people who are honourable in this way and to learn from them and have them influence our lives and speak into our lives. In churches, we're, we're, we're constantly looking for uh, people to serve in ministries, aren't we? We're constantly looking for leaders and people who are going to run this group or that ministry and be involved here and there. We look, we're looking first, often we look for for willingness and gifts, don't we? But I wonder if this challenges us on that one and says, uh, first of all, you look for character. Christ-likeness. People shaped by the Lord Jesus who sacrifice as he did. Every year, if this church is like other churches that I've been involved in, uh, you, you come around to uh, looking for new elders to serve in the church. It's uh, a constant thing, isn't it? It's very easy, isn't it, to, to look firstly at the gifts. What gifts do they have? Well, that, that's important. They're called to lead, and, and, and that, that's something that God can give. But, but first of all, uh, we look for Christ-likeness, don't we? Uh, gospel-shaped, gospel-hearted uh, men who, who are going to lead us. When we're thinking about people who, who we're going to allow to speak into our lives, uh, friends that, 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 that are going to be mentors to us and examples, do we look for success or do we look for character? People shaped by the Lord Jesus who live in the pattern of the Lord Jesus. And who knows, maybe this flows into us becoming honourable people in the eyes of God and in the eyes of the church. 
a person of character. Maybe if we want to be an influence on the lives of others for the cause of Christ, this is where we start, and it's probably where we finish as well, with Jesus and his work in us. Not for our own glory, that's not honorable, but for the glory and the name of Jesus. Let's pray to him, shall we? Lord, we, uh, we thank you um, for the example of Timothy and Epaphroditus uh, that we have in your word. Uh, thank you that you hold out their lives for us to be inspired and encouraged and to imitate. Um, but we thank you most of all that they point us to you. They point us to your sacrifice and your love, uh, that you became nothing for us so that we might be saved. Help us, Lord, to honour the things that you say are good and right and the kinds of people uh, that you tell us to honour and not those that the world around us honours. Help us uh, not to get sucked in uh, to desiring things that are not honourable in your eyes. Help us, Lord, to seek out those uh, who are honourable, who love you, uh, who love your word, uh, who are shaped by you, that they might influence our lives. And Lord, we think about uh, our own lives and we pray, Lord God, that you would shape us uh, more and more to be like the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, You would change our hearts and our minds and our actions that we might point more fully to him. And we ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen.